Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. I'm your host, my name is Calvin Timms. You can find me over on Twitter at DFFCalvin or on Instagram at the Dynasty Consultant. So today we're going to be talking about the NFC North. We're finally into the NFC teams after going through all the AFC teams the last couple weeks and be sure to listen to those ones if you're curious about any of the AFC teams. But there's a lot of Dynasty guys over in the AFC that are very interesting uh, for fantasy. I think that while... Football and the AFC is very top-heavy, it seems like, every year. Um, The AFC teams always seem to be the ones that are contending the most for the Super Bowls. Um, It seems like the NFC is actually the more interesting division right now, where all the teams seem to be very competitive, and uh, it's very tough divisions over there, where in the AFC it seems to be kind of uh, some top teams that are just beating up on everybody. And the NFC, it's literally any man's game where you never know who's going to win from year to year. So we're getting into the NFC today. Before we begin, just wanted to wish you guys a happy week. Hope you guys are having a good week out there. Um, I'm recording this podcast a little bit early because my birthday is actually August 2nd, which is this Sunday. So by the time you guys are listening to this, it's actually probably my birthday. So um, I'm recording this a little bit early in the week. So any big news items that have dropped this week, I probably won't have them covered here. So if I've missed anything like a Dalvin Cook signing or uh, anything critical like that, I'll try and cover it in next week's podcast. But um, yeah, I am recording a little bit early because it's my birthday this weekend and and I'm hanging out with all the family on Saturday. So I'll be a little preoccupied on Saturday. So, so yeah, there's my plans for the week. I hope you guys are having a good one as well. So one thing that I did get told this week, this last week, uh, as one of the feedback items for the podcast is to include an opening monologue for you guys. And After listening to some other podcasts, I kind of noticed that they tend to start things off a little more casually before they jump into the actual analysis and the breakdowns, whatever they're covering for that day. And it's a good way for you guys to get to know me a little bit better and for me to open up to you guys a little bit more. But one thing that I did want to cover, and this is something that just drives me crazy. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm pretty new to the whole Twitter game, um, social media game. I was very big into it when Facebook first came out because I was in high school when it first came out. I remember how popular it was and everything like that. And it just was never something that really interested me that much. Like it was fun at first. And then after a while, it just kind of gets old and you can kind of see the effect that a ton of social media has on people where if you go on Twitter, if you go on Facebook, if you go on even Instagram now, with some of the stuff, it's just so much negativity. And if you ever follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I don't post a ton. I kind of find things that I like and I retweet it and I add a little comment here and there, or I try and give you guys a little piece of advice with fantasy relevant topics, you know, here and there. But I'm not going to be the guy that is going to tweet every big news article. I'm not going to be the guy that retweets every major talking head like Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. And the reason why is because I feel like it's very toxic to your mindset to just be on Twitter all day. And even now I feel myself just scrolling through it all all the time. And it's just so many negative comments where it's just people disagree on everything it feels like anymore. And I don't want to bring that to you guys. I want this podcast to be just strictly football with a little bit of fun. You know, I don't want it to be boring or anything like that. I want to give 
everything a little bit of a in-depth analysis as well as some coverage on the logical side of things and I don't really just want to make this a ranting show where I just try and trash certain players or uh inject my own politics into things. You'll probably never hear me talk about politics on here because as stupid as it sounds nowadays um, and the meme value with safe space, I do want this podcast to be something of a just football only podcast so people can listen to this and just kind of put their mind at ease a little bit from the last week and Just kind of relax while you're listening to this. Get some fantasy knowledge that you can hopefully use in your leagues and use it going forward and look at the way that I break things down, the way I look at things and not just kind of, here's my thoughts and, oh, Colin Kaepernick's back in the news and here's how I think about it. And I I just don't want to be that guy. I'll never want to be that guy. So I do want to say if you guys want that from a podcast, that's probably not going to be me. Uh, you can definitely go to somewhere like Pro Football Talk or even like Colin Cowherd or any of those popular shows, I guess is what I'd call them with thousands of viewers and everything. But that's just not going to be me. So I want to bring you guys football and only football with, like I said, a little bit of fun sprinkled in here and try and make it interesting for you guys. I don't ever want to be the guy that just comes on here and gets on a soapbox. So that's just something about me. Again, I'm new to this whole opening monologue thing, so I hope I didn't go off on too much of a tangent here. But just so you guys know, like I said, probably never going to get too political on here. I'm just going to keep that stuff to myself. You know, there's really no place for it. I feel like everything is over politicized nowadays anyway, and everybody has to have an opinion on everything. And That's kind of where things go wrong, in my opinion, because there's shades of gray to every single thing. One, there's never a right or wrong strictly for every single thing, you know. There's some topics, I guess you can say, but uh, where it's a very clear yes or no. But um, for the most part, there's definitely things that almost everything else has shades of gray, right? So I'm not going to be the guy that lectures you on what to think, what to feel, things like that. So there's my opening monologue, first take at it. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't too too offbeat, but uh, let me know what your thoughts are over on Twitter or on Instagram. And I am working on getting a Facebook page put up for this podcast. So again, hopefully we can keep it a little more civilized, you know, give some positive feedback, not just this guy sucks, you know. So please feel free to share your thoughts over on one of those two and just let me know what you guys think. So now we're going to jump into the NFC North breakdown and we're going to start at the top with the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers had one of the most interesting off seasons of all the teams in the NFC North this offseason because what they did in the draft was, uh, how do you say, very confusing, very perplexing because when you look at this team, last year they were 13-3. and They made it to the playoffs and they had a decent run in the playoffs. They lost to the Niners who eventually went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Chiefs, right? Well, if you look at this team, last year their defense was pretty stout and what's become a tradition in Green Bay the last few years in the draft is to draft defensive guys in the first round sometimes even the second round it's very rare that they kind of spend up on the offensive side of the ball and even in free agency the last couple years they've definitely been loading up the defensive side of the ball so going into 2020 everyone expected them to look at the offensive side of the ball and 
To be fair, they did, but it's more of a long-term plan than a short-term plan because the guys that they got in the draft, and that's where I want to kick things off, were very interesting. And I'm going to add a little bit of context to one of the more perplexing draft picks in this year's draft of Jordan Love, who was the Packers' first overall pick in this year's draft. They actually traded up for Jordan Love from, I think it was 28 to 25, I believe. Uh, And that's where they selected Jordan Love. And the interesting thing is watching this year's draft, and this is why I highly recommend watching the draft live, not just seeing the grades afterwards, you know, because there's a lot of context that you can miss by doing this. And I personally prefer watching the BR draft coverage with Adam Lefko and Matt Miller and Connor Rogers. That's one of the best shows that I've watched for a draft. It's pretty legit. They know what they're doing. They keep up with the actual broadcast. They're telling you the picks and giving you a breakdown of how those guys are going to fit on the teams. And they just keep rolling. They don't have the thousand ads. They don't have the million sad stories that ESPN did where it was just like every other player and this person died in their family. It is just, it was crazy this year. So um, the BR draft coverage was pretty legit. And when you were watching their coverage of it, one thing that I think is underrated was the Niners actually traded up for Brandon Ayuk in this year's draft, who was a wide receiver and he's kind of a speedy guy, goes on the outside, you know, and they took him right before the Packers did. And everyone thought that the Packers needed a wide receiver. And there were rumors that the Packers really liked Brandon Ayuk. So piecing that together, what that kind of tells me is I actually think that the Green Bay Packers traded up with whoever was at 25. I forget who it was with their, it was the Seahawks or whoever it was. I actually think they planned that trade before San Francisco traded up for Ayuk and the reason why is because I think they were planning on drafting Ayuk at 25. They had the trade lined up. They had the trade finalized, basically, but it just took forever for everything to go through on the NFL side of things. And by the time that they got the trade finalized, Ayuk was off the board to San Francisco, leaving them in a bit of a predicament where I think this is where they kind of panicked a little bit, and that's why they took Jordan Love Though, based on their reactions in the actual draft, maybe that was their plan the whole time. I'm speculating a little bit here. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just trying to add a little bit of context that they really liked Ayuk, and it's possible that they were trying to trade up for Ayuk, and they ended up just getting Jordan Love instead because he was the next guy on their board. So the reason why this is a little bit of a speculation is because after Jordan Love, everyone kind of expected, okay, they took a quarterback in the first round. He's going to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers in two to three years. They cannot cut Aaron Rodgers for at least two years, so he's not going anywhere. And even in three years, he's going to be such a big dead cap hit that it's not even going to be worth it for the Packers. So he's going to be the starting quarterback for the next three years minimum. So that's kind of a waste of Jordan Love's contract because he's going to have five years on the contract and he's not going to play for three of them unless Aaron Rodgers gets injured, which is a decent probability because he has gotten injured and beaten up a little bit more than some of these other older quarterbacks the last few years. But 
Still, that's kind of a waste of a contract unless he's getting playtime. But I can understand it, right? That's what they did with Brett Favre, with Aaron Rodgers. They drafted him late, you know. So there is some precedent of that in the in the past. So it's not crazy. So they take a quarterback in the first round. Everyone's kind of expecting, okay, now, second round, they're going to go and get a wide receiver because they have Aaron Jones at running back. They have Jamal Williams. Those two are perfectly fine. Well, in the second round, they take A.J. Dillon, giant, massive, Derrick Henry-esque running back uh, who's 250 pounds, is extremely fast. He's basically just a smaller version of Derrick Henry, shorter and a little bit lighter than Derrick Henry. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Derrick Henry. It's a very strong possibility. He's got the measurables to be similar to Derrick Henry, but they took him in the second round instead of a wide receiver. So this is what got people very perplexed on the Green Bay Packers draft, right? And then in the third round, they actually take a tight end. His name is Josiah DeGuara. And this was a waste of a draft pick, according to a lot of people, because one, they have Jay Sternberger coming back for his sophomore season. And he was pretty good uh, coming out of college. Everyone kind of likes him long term. He's kind of more of a developmental prospect. But Two, because DeGuara is profiled to be more of a fullback. And that kind of transitions us nicely into the players that the Packers lost this offseason. So the first player that they lost was Brian Bulaga, who was their left tackle. He's still pretty good. He's with the Chargers now, so definitely going to be a starter still in the NFL. And losing a starting caliber tackle is never a good thing. Um, They tried to replace him in free agency with Rick Wagner. It's definitely going to be a downgrade, which I think is going to be very critical because Aaron Rodgers is not the most mobile guy anymore. He used to be when he was younger, but last couple of years, it seems like he's lost a step in his mobility. But So that's a big thing, losing a starting left tackle for this team. But they also lost Geronimo Allison, who is a guy that Aaron Rodgers really trusted on the outside. They lost Danny Vitale who was their fullback, which is who DeGuara is supposedly supposed to kind of replace on this team, which is very interesting because it means that they really want to keep the run game going with the A.J. Dillon pick and then the DeGuara pick to kind of use him as a fullback and trying to make sure that their O-line, because Mike Wagner is more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. So they're definitely trying to lean on the running game in 2020. And I think that's a bit of a mistake because they have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know if he'll ever get another Super Bowl. He's kind of one of those guys where there's so many rumors about him and his personality and everything where on the field, he's such a great leader. Uh, You really kind of feel bad for him because the Packers have never really built around him. They haven't taken a first round wide receiver in how long they haven't taken a first round running back in how long, you know, they really just give him table scraps every single year and expect him to just figure it out, which just shows you how good Aaron Rodgers actually is. But at the same time, all the off the field stuff, he just kind of comes off as a jerk from all the stories that kind of leak out. And it's kind of sad because like I said, he's one of those guys where you just really want to root for him, but I don't know if he's actually ever going to get another Super Bowl. He's so talented, but the Packers just 
are seemingly sabotaging him left, right, and center. So who knows what they're going to end up doing because they could have easily taken a wide receiver in the late second round. With this year's class, how deep it was, man, there were so many guys still available. I just think it's kind of crazy that they didn't take someone. But they also lost Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham, (laughs) oh man, what to say about Jimmy Graham? He is not good anymore. I guess that's where we'll start. He's not really a pass catcher anymore because he's lost a step. He's not as fast as he once was when he was at his most dominant point in his career was with the Saints and when he was running those seam routes and he's always been a great touchdown threat in the end zone because he's so big and he used to play basketball, I believe. So he's got that jump ball ability in the end zone, but man, In 2019, he just did not look like he had anything left in the tank. And so he's gone off the team. They're expecting Jay Sternberger to kind of step up and replace him. Now, this gets back to the age-old question of, does Aaron Rodgers not like his tight ends, or does he just never have a quality tight end to throw to? I personally think that he just doesn't really like his tight ends. The last good tight end he had was Jermichael Finley, and that's been so long ago. And, I mean... Again, you can make the argument that it's just he doesn't have quality guys, but he did have Martellus Bennett the year after he was with the Patriots. And that year with the Patriots, he looked amazing on the field. And the Packers just made him look so terrible that he actually retired after that year. So I just think Aaron Rodgers does not like the tight end position very much. Feel free to let me know your thoughts, but yeah, I just don't know if Sternberger is going to be the guy long term because of that. But maybe with Jordan Love, he can show something. But that's a like I said, three year minimum wait on that, so that's not something I'm super excited about. And I know people really like Sternberger for Dynasty, but yeah, that's someone that I'm kind of fading a little bit on my end. And then the last thing that the Packers did in the draft, which was very Packer-esque, is in the sixth round, they took a shot on three offensive linemen. And I say it's very Packer-esque because every single year it feels like, whether it's running back, whether it's wide receiver, O-line this year, defensive linebackers or cornerbacks, late in the draft, they just use all their remaining picks on that position. And They just really try and get whatever they can, and hopefully one of those guys ends up being good. You can make the argument that that's a good strategy. You can make an argument that that's a waste. Who knows when it's sixth and seventh round picks, but it's just kind of funny that they did it yet again for another season. So um, I found that kind of funny, but yeah, for the most part, they had a very interesting offseason where they kind of looked like they were retooling towards the running game. I don't know if Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are enough for Aaron Rodgers to kind of carry this team anymore. It's it's entirely possible that MVS and Lazard can kind of, one of the two can step up to be that wide receiver two, but until they get that wide receiver two, I think there's just going to be a very big cap on what the Green Bay Packers can do with Aaron Rodgers. So from a fantasy standpoint, that kind of leaves us in an interesting spot because Aaron Rodgers, like I said earlier, is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in just a pure talent standpoint. He has made so many amazing throws. He's made so many just hero plays, Hail Mary plays, and man, it's just 
like I said, it's a little sad to see how Green Bay refuses to kind of build around him um, and let him shine on that team where you look at somewhere like uh, the Buffalo Bills, for example, where all they did this offseason was get weapons for Josh Allen to make him succeed. They got more running backs uh, to take the load off of those short carries so he doesn't have to feel so pressured. And it's just that organization is going all out to build around Josh Allen. And then the Packers are going all out to just ignore Aaron Rodgers. It's just crazy to me. But Aaron Rodgers, from a fantasy standpoint, is not very interesting to me. Because, like I said, right now it's Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard or MVS as possible too. And Jay Sternberger as the tight end. I mean, you've got... Aaron Jones coming back as the running back who can catch passes out of the backfield. But man, from a receiving standpoint, this is one of the sorriest receiving cores in the league. And it just sucks because Devontae Adams is such a monster. He is such a good route runner. He's top five along with like Keenan Allen, like I talked about last week. He's just so smooth with his routes. It's just, man, he needs a little bit of help. And that's one reason why I love Devontae Adams, but I'll cover him here in just a minute. But for Aaron Rodgers, man, without those weapons, I just have a hard time. And especially with them signaling that they want to go more towards the running game in 2020, it's just hard for me to buy in, especially in Dynasty, because Aaron Rodgers is no spring chicken. He is definitely someone who's getting up there in age. And I don't know if he's going to be a Drew Brees, a Tom Brady playing until he's 40, 45 and kind of showing that he still has that much in the tank. He's kind of a guy who seems like he's going to get to the Brett Favre area where maybe like 38, 39, and he's just going to call it quits. And he's coming up on that pretty quickly. I think he'll play out the rest of this contract the next three years. And then, man, I think he'll be gone. But like I said, until they get more weapons or known guys, I just don't trust their offensive scheme. I don't trust that offense as a whole. And I think 2020 is going to be a little bit of a trap because like I said, losing Balaga is going to be a bit of a hit to this team. And I think that it's going to just put a lot more pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And without the weapons, I think it's going to be a very frustrating year for him. So the guy backing him up, Jordan Love, Again, until Aaron Rodgers is off the field, Jordan Love has no value. And that could be next year uh, where Aaron Rodgers decides to retire because he's just tired of all the crap that he's getting from the Packers. Or it could be in three years when they can cut him. Technically, Aaron Rodgers has four to five years left on his contract. And until that day, I just, unless he quits, he's not leaving this team. There's no way because of the dead cap money. So, Jordan Love is someone that I'm going to be looking at in maybe three years from a dynasty standpoint. If you can stash him that long, feel free. If you're in a super flex, you might be able to get him for cheap and just stash him for a couple years, but that's a long time to stash a player. And even in dynasty, I understand that we want these guys long-term, but three years is a lot of wasted time for one player, but you can make that decision for yourself. You know, I personally wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, man, you can hopefully get him cheap. Not this year. Probably after this year, you can get him a lot cheaper for one of those leagues, like a super flex league or something like that, if you want to stash him. But you're again, you're still going to be stashing him at least two years unless 
Aaron Rodgers retires. So, so up next, we got the running back position. And in the running backs, we have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Jamal Williams. And for these guys, it's a very clear pecking order to me. That pecking order is Aaron Jones, very clearly, at the number one running back for this team. Number two on this team is definitely A.J. Dillon, and then Williams is a very far and away third option for this team. And Aaron Jones is someone who I think could be a little bit of a sleeper this year. He's not getting the love that I think he probably deserves, even by me. I think I'm a little lower on him than I probably should be. I don't think that he's going to lose much of the passing work in 2020 because of the state of the receiving core for this team. And I think that they're going to be in a few closer games this year because of the O-line changes. Um, So I think there's going to be a little bit more of a need for shootouts. And there's a stat running around with how many games that the Packers won that were one-score games. And you can never repeat that success from year to year because one score is just so crazy. That's a flip of a coin. And the fact that they won so many close games almost definitely means that they're going to be coming down in 2020. So I think that they're going to need to come back in a lot of these games. And that's where Aaron Jones, his receiving ability is very nice along with his rushing ability and how explosive he's been on the field. But I do think that Aaron Jones is capped a little bit in this offense now with A.J. Dillon. Because A.J. Dillon is such a beast of a dude, I think he's actually the same weight as Derrick Henry, but like three inches shorter. So that already right there tells you that he's a lot thicker of a guy. And I think he's like just as fast as Derrick Henry. So he's a very explosive guy. He does not have any lateral agility whatsoever. And I don't know how his hands are. I don't think he's a very good pass catcher. But man, if you can get the ball in that guy's hand close to the end zone, Good luck trying to stop him. I just think that he's going to vulture a lot of touchdowns. And in 2019, Aaron Jones had 19 touchdowns, and there is no way that that's repeatable in 2020. So if he's coming down heavily in those touchdown numbers, he has to massively outproduce in the yardage numbers or the reception numbers, which I could see his receptions going up. I could see his yards going up, but I don't think it's going to be enough to offset those touchdowns coming down quite a bit. So Aaron Jones, I think is kind of ceiling of RB 10 to 12 for me, but he's definitely someone who's going to be a low end RB one, maybe a high end RB two. And AJ Dillon actually could sneak into RB two, low end RB two numbers for me because Like I said, I think he's going to be a touchdown machine for this team just because of how big he is and how explosive he is. I could be wrong, but I would not be shocked if A.J. Dillon has seven, eight touchdowns with almost no yards this year because he's going to be used as a short yardage goal line guy. And I could see him vulturing quite a few touchdowns away from this from this team. So for the wide receiver position, we got Devontae Adams clear number one option for this team. Um, PPR stud, yardage stud and standard. I mean, the guy before last year had never had less than 10 touchdowns in a season, which is just crazy. So um, if he hadn't gotten injured last year, 
I think he was on pace for 12 touchdowns or 11 touchdowns. So he was on pace for that double digit touchdown number again. I know that touchdowns are like one of the least stickiest stats because they're almost never predictable because you never know if MVS is going to break one off for 75 yards and there goes Devontae Adams touchdown, right? But for the fact that Devontae Adams finds a way to get into the end zone every single year, I think it's a little bit more uh, predictable than most guys. So Devontae Adams, clear wide receiver one for me. He's probably my wide receiver three or four, two or three. I don't know, somewhere in that range. Top five for sure. Definitely a fantasy stud. You're probably not going to get him if you don't have him, but you can always try. I think last year I traded uh, Dalvin Cook for Devontae Adams straight up. It was a need-need for both of us, and it worked out pretty well, but um, I definitely miss miss Devontae Adams on that team. But the other two guys, Alan Lazard and MVS, Equinemius St. Brown is another guy that's kind of in the background, but I just don't think he's ever going to do anything with the Packers, so I'm not even going to really talk about him here. But Lazard is someone that's interesting to me in Dynasty because he has Aaron Rodgers' favor, and that's a huge thing because of Aaron Rodgers' personality. Um, The fact that Lazard has shown on the field a connection with Aaron Rodgers already just kind of makes me think that he could kind of slot into that wide receiver two role for the team. Um, And if you think back to younger Devontae Adams with Jordy Nelson, just how good they were, or Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, Aaron Rodgers has been able to produce multiple wide receiver two or betters um, for a team. So I could definitely see Lazard stepping up um, and being a potential low end wide receiver two, maybe even like 18 or 19, you know, which would be just outstanding. But he's a guy that's going almost free right now in a lot of leagues. So he's someone that I would definitely kind of probe around on if I could. MVS, he's very fast, but I just, the way that Aaron Rodgers talked about him after his rookie season and how he kind of was between listening to Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy when he was still the head coach, I just don't know if MVS is really going to be the guy that Aaron Rodgers is going to look to in a pinch. And Devontae Adams and then his go-to guy is the only two guys that I really want for this team. And then Sternberger at tight end, I already covered him a little bit, but um, he's someone that I'm not too interested in because I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to target him very much. They don't really have another tight end of note that I'm interested in for this team. So yeah, definitely a position that I'm staying away from. You'll find a lot of people that are really high on Sternberger this year. The guy is very talented at catching the ball. And Jimmy Graham was targeted quite heavily in 2019. But again, I just don't trust it for a sophomore tight end with the learning curve and Aaron Rodgers' seeming inability to target the tight end position unless he absolutely has to. I just, yeah, they're not somebody that I'm looking towards this year or even for the next couple years. He has to show me something on the field and then maybe I'd consider it. So um, there's your Green Bay Packers in a nutshell. They are very interesting. I think there could be some fantasy disappointment, but 
they should be just fine. Like I said, I think that they're going to be behind in a lot more games this year. So they're not going to be able to utilize the run game like they drafted and signed all these guys to boost up that running game. So they're going to need Lazard. They're going to need Devontae Adams. Might even need Jay Sternberger. We'll have to see. Um, So from a fantasy perspective, they should be just fine, which means that Aaron Rodgers might be just fine. But it's just one of those things that if they're winning, I see them leaning heavily on the run game, which just limits Aaron Rodgers ceiling and his floor in those in those weeks but it might be one of those more predictable teams where if they're projected to be trailing you start Aaron Rodgers because he's going to be chucking the ball to bring him back in it so we'll kind of see how that shakes out there's your Packers in a nutshell so up next we got the Chicago Bears and From a coaching standpoint, they made one change to their coaching staff, and that change was they changed their offensive coordinator to Bill Lazor. And this is kind of interesting because Bill Lazor has been around the league a little bit. He was with the Bengals in 2019, and he's going to be an assistant offensive coordinator, essentially, because Matt Nagy creates all the plays and he calls them all on game day. Maybe he'll kind of seed some of that play calling to Bill Lazor, which would be very useful for this team because Matt Nagy in 2019 got a little too cute. And that's what really hurt someone like David Montgomery last year. And Nagy even came out in some interviews and said, I messed up. I should have given Montgomery the ball more. I tried to be too cute. So We'll see what happens with the play calling between these two, but Bill Lazor being the OC in title is very interesting. Maybe he's going to be calling some of the plays, or maybe he's going to be drawing up some of the plays. It's going to be something we're going to have to watch in 2020. From a player standpoint, they had a very rocky offseason because they lost a starting guard in Kyle Long, and he's a very talented guard. So taking a hit on that, offensive line was not a good thing because last year they were one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. So they really couldn't afford to lose anybody else if they could avoid it. They did let go Taylor Gabriel as well. And then they also lost Trey Burton from the tight end position, but they kind of had a plan. It seems like to replace all of those guys in free agency because they did sign Jimmy Graham coming over from the Packers. Again, Jimmy Graham, I don't think he has anything left. I am not excited about this signing whatsoever, but we'll see. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Um, they brought in Jermaine Effredi, uh, who was a guard to replace Kyle Long. Effredi is uh, pretty talented. He, he's okay. He's not amazing. He's not a world beater, but he's someone that will definitely slot in just fine to replace Kyle Long. Uh, might be a slight downgrade, but that O-line needs to step it up pretty heavily in the first place. So we'll kind of see what happens with that. And then they did bring in Ted Ginn as well um, to replace Taylor Gabriel. Ted Ginn and Taylor Gabriel are basically the same player, except Ted Ginn's like 10 years older because um, they're both just speedy guys on the outside. So that's kind of interesting that they brought in Ted Ginn. I think it was just because of the salary. He was super cheap. But the most interesting thing that they did in the offseason, though, is they traded for Nick Foles from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was extremely interesting because 
everyone has been talking about how bad Mitch Trubisky is for a couple years. And if you look at this team and the history that they have with Nick Foles, there are a lot of guys that have a history with Nick Foles on this team. Matt Nagy and Nick Foles were together in Philly and also in Kansas City. Bill Lazor was with Nick Foles in Philly, and then John Filippo, their quarterback's coach, was with him in Philly and in Kansas City, or the Rams, one of the two. So there's a lot of connections with this team and Nick Foles. And the fact that they traded for him when they could have signed someone like Cam Newton for $500,000 or whatever the actual contract that Cam Newton signed with the Patriots is, it's just crazy to me because... That means that they see something in Nick Foles that they want. And they think that Nick Foles is an improvement over Mitch Trubisky. And it's a very interesting competition because Nick Foles is not a world beater compared to Mitch Trubisky. He's a guy that could just push Trubisky enough that maybe it unlocks the hidden potential inside Trubisky. But if he can't, then... Nick Foles would be a competent starter for this team and he'll slot in just fine with all the connections that he has and the ability to run this offense. So it's something that's kind of interesting to to look at. And if Mitch Trubisky can hold off Nick Foles and retain the starting quarterback position, I actually like him a lot for fantasy because of his rushing upside. But um, we'll kind of cover that here in just one second. And The last thing I want to cover before we break down the fantasy implications for all these moves is in the draft, they are finally over the Khalil Mack trade. They traded so many picks to the Raiders with that trade that um, it was so many future picks that in 2020, they are finally free of the burden of the Khalil Mack trade. So They did not have a first-round pick in this year's draft, and with their first pick, they actually drafted Cole Komet, who was another tight end, and this is after signing Jimmy Graham, and it's very interesting because everyone's been giving the Bears a lot of crap because they have like 15 tight ends on their roster so far, and they've been slowly cutting these guys. They've gotten rid of, I think, three or four of them so far, but they still have like six on the roster, which is just insane, so... We're going to see these guys start to drop like flies here come training camp, but Cole Komet is extremely talented from a pass-catching side. Again, rookie, tight end, I don't know if he's going to transition that well in year one. Something to watch. Nick Foles does have a uh, habit of targeting the tight end position, so maybe it's Jimmy Graham, maybe it's Cole Komet. They really don't have anybody behind those two from a pass catching side that I'm super interested in. So um, just a name to kind of watch from a fantasy standpoint. I don't know if he'll have value this year, but in year two, year three, definitely somebody that I'm looking forward to uh, in the coming years, especially if Nick Foles does win that starting job um, and his propensity to target the tight end position. So Just a name that I wanted to throw out there. Uh, They didn't really have too many picks in this draft, so they did use a couple seventh rounders on guards, but um, again, just depth pieces and guys that might not even make the roster at this point. So transitioning into the fantasy side of things, again, we got Nick Foles versus Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback position. I like whoever the winner is because of the weapons on this team, but Whoever the winner is, is also limited pretty heavily by this offensive line. They didn't really patch it too much in the draft. 
they didn't patch it very much in the free agency either. So it's going to struggle a little bit, I think, in 2020. And if it's Mitch Trubisky, he needs a good offensive line to kind of make space for him because the biggest problem with Mitch Trubisky is he cannot read a defense, which is pretty bad after three, four, five years or however long he's been in the league. It's just all the pictures. you We've all seen them online of just the wide open receivers that he just doesn't see and he doesn't read the defense and he doesn't progress through his reads to his next wide receiver. He kind of targets a guy and then just focuses on him the entire time, which is extremely bad from a quarterback perspective because the defense just knows whoever he's looking at, that's where the ball is going to go. So it makes it a lot harder for the offense to keep rolling. And that's kind of why Trubisky has struggled so much the last couple of years. But the dude is extremely talented. He still is really talented. Um, he seems like he's a pretty good dude just in general from a personality standpoint. He's handled the Chicago media pretty well, even though I think it's like the second biggest media market in the country for a team behind New York. So, I mean, he's really done a good job. And I I do feel bad just ragging on Mitch Trubisky, but he needs to be able to read a defense if he's going to make it in the NFL. And right now he cannot do that. I don't know if that's going to come. He's still young. Maybe he can develop that a little bit. But I think Nick Foles is just going to be such an upgrade over this team. But again, he's going to be struggling behind that O-line and they don't have the best skill positions. They have um, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen and then they got Allen Robinson, um, Anthony Miller and Riley Ridley at the wide receiving position. So a couple guys, Ted Ginn also there. It's a mixed bag of guys, but The winner of this, I think, could have some sneaky value in fantasy where he's QB2 with maybe potentially QB1 upside, especially if it's Trubisky because of his rushing upside. So just something to look out for on that side. But going into the running backs, they do have Dave Montgomery, who was a rookie in 2019, and Tariq Cohen, who is basically a undersized slot wide receiver at this point for the team. Um, Tariq Cohen's not really a running back per se because he's not a big guy by any means. I think he's like five foot six, 180 pounds or something crazy. He's just really, really tiny, but he's extremely athletic, which is just great for using him in those trick plays, those special packages, and as a kind of scatter back that kind of makes explosive plays after the catch. And In 2019, they did not use him to the best of his abilities Uh, because this offense was just struggling as a whole for most of the season. They didn't get to do what they wanted for everybody on this offensive side of the ball. Tariq Cohen, they used him running towards the out of bounds a lot of the time, and he needs the ball in space so that he can kind of use that athletic profile to kind of pick up yards after the catch and things like that. So Dave Montgomery is also extremely interesting because if you listen to the fantasy footballers, they actually played a game the other day of who was better, David Montgomery or Todd Gurley in 2019. And the only difference between David Montgomery and Todd Gurley was just the touchdowns. David Montgomery outperformed Todd Gurley in every other category except touchdowns. So I could see those touchdowns going up for David Montgomery. David Montgomery is one of the more disrespected running backs in the NFL right now because 
he is the RB1, clear RB1. They didn't bring anybody in to challenge him. They only have Tariq Cohen on the roster, and Tariq Cohen cannot handle that kind of workload as a running back. So he has no competition, and yet he's going so late in drafts that it's just insane to me because it's just silly value at that point. So he's someone that I think definitely is better than people give him credit. You know, he wasn't a flashy name. He's not a sexy name. He's not going to be Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to be Dalvin Cook, but he can definitely develop into a solid Jordan Howard from a few years ago who every single year put up RB1 numbers. They're not the sexiest RB1 numbers, uh, but David Montgomery is a decent pass catcher. He can catch the ball much better than Jordan Howard. So that's somebody that I think we should not be sleeping on as much. I've been trying to get him in all my leagues this offseason, and I've gotten him, I think, in every single league. I did a couple startups. He was going in the fifth, sixth, seventh round in a few of these leagues. I got him in a trade for uh, C.D. Lamb. I got Dave Montgomery, Adam Thielen, and Jalen Rager for C.D. Lamb, and um, I think another second round pick. It was just, I mean, I'm getting Dave Montgomery everywhere, and I love it because he's going super cheap, but he's going to be in line for 250 carries, 300 carries, maybe 300 total touches. And he's a workhorse for his team, but he's not getting treated like a workhorse back. So he doesn't really have injury risk. He doesn't really have amazing upside either. But man, I think Dave Montgomery could definitely be somebody that we're talking about in 2021 of a massive resurgence in his value. So Get him while he's cheap if you can. Um, don't come to me if you're listening to this. I know some of my league mates listen to this podcast, but don't come to me because I've been collecting him all offseason. But if you can get him in any of your other leagues, definitely try because he's definitely someone who I think can finish as an RB1 and he's going for like RB3 value right now. So definitely a big gap in what he's worth for what he's going for. So someone I'm highly targeting. And then the next guy is... Allen Robinson, who is just a monster. Allen Robinson, if you look at his career of quarterbacks that he's played with, it's just such a sad list. I feel so bad for Allen Robinson. The guy has been a beast his entire career, and he's going into the final year of his contract. So that's something that's very interesting and something to watch out for. In 2021, Allen Robinson could be on a new team which would be very interesting if he actually went to a good team with a competent quarterback for once. So um, something to watch out for from a dynasty perspective. But in 2020, man, I have no problems with Allen Robinson. He's got low-end wide receiver one numbers, definitely wide receiver two floor, probably in the 15 to 16 as a floor range as long as he stays healthy. But yeah, he's definitely someone locked and loaded Good luck trying to get him because Allen Robinson is finally getting the respect that he's owed and he hasn't always had the best situation around him, but um, he's always made lemonade out of lemons. So he's someone that's finally being valued appropriately, in my opinion. It's hard to get him without overpaying a little bit, but definitely if you like him and his skill set and you kind of want to invest in him in case he ever does go get a better quarterback than Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, who are by far the best quarterbacks that he's played with in his career, um, definitely someone that you can try and get now and and see where he goes in 2021. But no problems with Allen Robinson. Anthony Miller 
is someone who's been very good when he's healthy. He's struggled with injuries quite a bit. He came out and he was a little bit older for a wide receiver. I think he came into the league at 24 uh, and he's been in the league for two years now. So he's actually, I think, just under Allen Robinson in age. He's like a year, maybe a year and a half younger than Allen Robinson, but he's been in the league for like four or five less years than Allen Robinson, which is just crazy to me. Um, Some of those rookies coming out are just so much older. It's just crazy from a dynasty perspective, but um, side note right there. But Anthony Miller is someone who, if he can stay healthy with a Nick Foles offense, I really kind of like. Nick Foles likes those guys that run those short routes over the middle of the field. And Anthony Miller, I think, is going to be in the slot quite a bit because Allen Robinson's the guy that they kind of move around. He's the movable chess piece in the uh, more of the Z role for the team where, where Anthony Miller is more of the Y role, which is just the traditional slot role. And then, uh, Ted Ginn or Riley Ridley would be the X on the outside. And traditionally people think of the X as the primary guy, but in today's NFL, it's kind of just a designation at, at that point where they line up and everything like that. So, um, not in terms of talent, there's really no good X for this team. Uh, Allen Robinson, like I said, he's more of a Z player. And then uh, Anthony Miller, more of a Y. So just something that I like Anthony Miller a lot. He's going pretty cheap. Um, he's kind of disrespected, but you do have to take into account the injury risk that he does kind of carry with him. So, um, And then the tight end position, I did cover it a little bit earlier. Nick Foles loves his tight ends. Um, Mitch Trubisky does love his tight ends. And Matt Nagy has shown that he likes the tight end position for fantasy. I don't know if Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet or one of the other seven tight ends that they have on their roster is going to do anything for fantasy. That's kind of a situation that I want to see shake out before I kind of try and attack it in in season with a trade or two. Um but yeah, that's something to watch. I just can't tell you if Jimmy Graham has anything left in the tank at this point. And I don't know what Cole Komet's going to transition into the NFL as. So it's just something that bears watching, kind of watching in your leagues. If you need a tight end, maybe you can maybe take a shot on one of them and kind of hope that that guy is the one that is fantasy viable. But yeah, I just don't know which one it's going to be. And I'm not super thrilled about either one right now. So that's the Chicago Bears. They've got a lot of talent, but definitely some massive holes on this team, mainly the quarterback position, but also the O-line. It does kind of make me a little skeptical on what they can do from a fantasy perspective, but their defense, they definitely tried to load it up in the offseason. So I think their defense could take a step forward from 2019, which may give this offense a little bit more time with the ball, more attempts with the ball. So it's kind of something that's a little more interesting, but yeah, definitely a lot of potential on the bears, but they need a lot of help to kind of see that potential through. So they're a team that I would advocate buying at your own risk. So up next, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings and they had one of the more interesting drafts of all teams in the draft. And I say that because they played the draft board Bill Belichick-esque because they traded Stephon Diggs in the offseason for Buffalo Bills' first-round pick, their third, fourth, and fifth, and then some future 2021 picks. But 
they took that Buffalo Bills pick and then they traded back with it. And then they just kept trading back and accruing more value and more picks and more picks. I think they ended the draft with the most people taken out of all the teams, which is just crazy because they didn't come into the draft with the most picks. Um, So they just played the draft board pretty well. And then all the guys that they did take with all their draft picks were very high value picks that they weren't really guys that you're like, man, that's a bit of a reach or uh, that guy's projected to be a bust or, you know, they they were very solid picks for all those draft picks that they had. So they had a very good draft. um, And in the draft, they did take Justin Jefferson with their first overall draft pick in this year's draft, who was the slot wide receiver for the LSU Tigers in 2019. Justin Jefferson is a very talented rookie wide receiver. They took Ezra Cleveland, a tackle, in the second round. They took KJ Osborne, another wide receiver, in the fifth round. And then they did the Green Bay strategy of just three O-linemen really late in the draft, just kind of hoping one of those guys will show something that they can make the team. But um, they did lose Laquan Treadwell, not really much of a loss, I guess. But in addition to Stephon Diggs, it kind of left only Adam Thielen. So they definitely had to take Justin Jefferson in the draft. But they brought in Tajay Sharp as well to kind of play the outside of the field, which I think is very interesting with how this wide receiving core is going to line up on the field. But I'll get to that here in just a minute. They lost Josh Klein, who's one of their linemen. But again, they took Ezra Cleveland and a couple late offensive linemen to try and fill that hole. They re-signed Kirk Cousins, which was a big thing to create some cap space for this team. Uh, They re-signed C.J. Hamm, their fullback, and Amir Abdullah. Uh, I think probably for a potential Cook holdout, they needed the depth with Abdullah. Even though they have Alexander Madison, definitely doesn't hurt to re-sign Abdullah at that point. But at the time of this recording, I do not know if Dalvin Cook has reported to camp. I don't know if he has a new contract. Um, it's just something to watch for if he does, like I said, I'll cover it on next week's show, but so far they had a pretty solid off season. You know, they didn't lose anybody major. They didn't bring anybody crazy into the fold. Uh, they replaced Stefan Diggs, who was just super unhappy with the Vikings. I don't understand I covered this a couple weeks ago. I just don't know what Stefan Diggs really wanted from the team. They were winning against the Saints, and he was still ticked off throwing his helmet into the stands. It's just, I, I don't know what he wants. So they got rid of him. They got him out of the team. I think that's only going to be good for the culture of the team and the camaraderie of the team by getting rid of Stefan Diggs. But definitely replaced him with a rookie, which is kind of risky especially when they're in a playoff window right now. And bringing in Tajay Sharp on the outside is very interesting because they lost Kevin Stefanski, who was their offensive coordinator in 2019. In 2020, they have no offensive coordinator by title on the team right now. And that just kind of tells me that Gary Kubiak, who was brought in to be the assistant offensive coordinator in 2019, is going to have a massive say in this offense in 2020. And Gary Kubiak has always had a very proficient run game. He's kind of from that Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay tree of guys. He's just a different branch on the same tree, right? But Kubiak is 
someone who's very interesting from an offensive side of the ball. He fits very well with Mike Zimmer, head coach, who just got an extension a couple days ago. And it's because Mike Zimmer is a very defensive-minded head coach. He wants to run the ball. He wants to pound it in their face nonstop and kind of drag it out into a defensive struggle, right? Where Kubiak makes their run game extremely proficient and electric and exciting. So it kind of pairs pretty well together. Um, So that's why people really like Dalvin Cook if he comes back and doesn't hold out this year. And if he does, Alexander Madison, either one of those guys is pretty much dialed in right now to be a top five running back. And kind of transitioning to the fantasy side of things, we'll start with the running back position because if Dalvin Cook reports... He was a top five guy last year, and there's no reason why he wouldn't be in 2020 as long as he's there physically in camp, right? So if he ever does go down, Alexander Madison is a perfect replacement just because Kubiak's system is so good for the running back position. It's just, it's kind of a, it doesn't matter who's running the ball, whoever it is, is going to be looking amazing for the team. So not to say that Dalvin Cook isn't an extreme talent, and he's probably much better than Alexander Madison. It just gives a lot of kudos to Gary Kubiak and the system that he has built for the Vikings. But um, either one of those running backs, again, Dalvin Cook, if he comes back, it's probably because they're signing him to a long-term extension. I don't think he's going to try and be the Christian McCaffrey and get $16 million or $17 million a year. I understand he's used quite a bit in the passing game, but he does have a bit of an injury history. He's missed some time every single year so far. Uh, He hasn't been able to play a full 16 yet, so they do have to bake that into it. And I think that when it's all said and done, he's going to have a nice extension, maybe a Derrick Henry-ish type of extension, but um, we'll see what shakes out of that. But if Dalvin Cook goes anywhere else in 2021, man, I still like the talent quite a bit, though if he doesn't go somewhere where the run game is as proficient as with the Minnesota Vikings, I am a little bit nervous from a dynasty perspective on Dalvin Cook, though in 2020, as long as he's there, he'll be perfectly fine, top five guy. But if he does move on, that's where Alexander Madison gets really interesting, right? Because I could see Alexander Madison just having a great ceiling. And Alexander Madison is not a super talented guy. There's definitely more talented guys in the top five than him. Derrick Henry, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook is more talented, right? Zeke, um, even Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb. All those guys are more talented. It's just how good the Kubiak system is for the running back. Alexander Madison would be a top 10 running back should anything happen to Dalvin Cook. So he's someone that if you're a Cook owner, definitely try and get as a handcuff for your team. So yeah, the running game for Minnesota is extremely interesting. Definitely should be great for fantasy. See if you can get any of those guys. But yeah, those guys are just super expensive right now. So good luck trying to get one. But from the quarterback position, you got Kirk Cousins. And again, they just re-signed him. One of the best things about Kirk Cousins, I think personally, is the fact that he has never really missed a game. I mean, Mr. Consistent in terms of being able to start. He has never really been beaten up. He's never really been injured, uh, at least that we've known about that it's affected his gameplay on the field. So Kirk Cousins, they have nobody behind him. 
But I don't know if that's really that big of a risk because I don't think Kirk Cousins is going anywhere unless there's some freak injury that happens to him, which is totally possible. But man, it's just crazy that Kirk Cousins has just been super reliable from a week-to-week standpoint in terms of showing up on the field. Now, he has not been super reliable in terms of fantasy or real-life football in terms of not turning the ball over in intense situations. And I understand there's the whole meme about Kirk Cousins, how his record against actual playoff teams or above 500 teams is just so terrible at this point and his primetime games and all that stuff. It does seem like Kirk Cousins has a bit of a choking problem right now, and he does not have a clutch factor similar to Derek Carr. But the one thing that Kirk Cousins does have going for him is he does have a cannon of an arm. He's not afraid to throw it down the field. He's one of the most accurate deep passers in the NFL, and he has been for a few years now. And he's a quarterback that I think gets a lot more hate than he probably deserves, but he's very underrated. He can do what he needs to do. He's not some guy that is an Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson who's going to bail you out if you need him to. But if you set the system up around Kirk Cousins, he'll be just fine. And for fantasy, I am a little concerned for Kirk Cousins because they got rid of Stephon Diggs. They have Adam Thielen, who's in his age 30 season. So he's a lot older. They don't have him much longer before he starts to deteriorate. Uh, They have rookie Justin Jefferson. They have Irv Smith kind of in year two, but they definitely need to address the offensive side of the ball, get a few more weapons for this team. Uh, We'll see if they can do that in the next couple years, but Kirk Cousins is on a run first team. And unlike the Niners where it's run first because nobody can stop it. This is actually run first because that's what they want to do. They don't care if they're losing drastically. They want to keep running the ball. They don't want to let the run game fall behind. So as long as that's the situation, I do think it kind of limits Kirk Cousins' upside and makes him a little more volatile. If it's a two-quarterback or a super flex league, he has some value to me. But in a one-quarterback league, Kirk Cousins is just kind of a waiver-wire streaming potential for me. So in a dynasty league, I'm not too excited about them long-term, but going on to the wide receivers, I touched on them just a second ago, but they have Adam Thielen going into his age 30 season. And Adam Thielen is somebody who I think in 2020 is going to have a monster season because they got rid of Stefan Diggs. And as long as Thielen stays healthy, man, that dude is in line for a million targets. And I don't even know if that's an understatement because, gosh, there's no one else to really throw to except a rookie and Justin Jefferson. And um, I guess Dalvin Cook could see a big bump up in his targets or Alexander Madison, whoever the running back is for this team. Uh, Maybe Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph can see a little bit of a touch up. But I just think Adam Thielen is the biggest beneficiary of Stephon Diggs going to a new team. And Justin Jefferson is a guy who is... Very interesting because he's very quick. He he ran a 40 that was a lot faster than people were kind of expecting from him because they weren't expecting him to be in the 4-4s. Four they were kind of expecting 4-5s, maybe 4-6 from Justin Jefferson, but he ran a 4-4-2, four, four, and it was just he kind of even really was elated at that time because it just confirmed how quick he is. People thought he was – he's everyone thought he was more f- – 
quick than fast kind of thing, but this just kind of shows that he is fast as well as quick. So um, he's a perfect slot receiver, and I think he's kind of a bigger, better Jamison Crowder for Kirk Cousins, who when people look back at the Washington Redskins, Kirk Cousins with Jamison Crowder. Crowder was actually pretty good with Kirk Cousins. And I think Justin Jefferson will be just fine with Kirk Cousins. And I don't know if Justin Jefferson can be a wide receiver too this year, but he's someone that from a long-term perspective, I am very, very interested in. He is right now my wide receiver four out of all these guys. So yeah, he's very high on my rookie wide receiver rankings. But yeah, both of those guys... Justin Jefferson, it's very tough to get him right now just because of the whole rookie hype and everything like that. But uh, Adam Thielen is someone who is going pretty cheap, I think, because like I said, he's in line for a million targets, uh, plus or minus about 999,000. But he is someone who has that wide receiver one potential and it feels like he's being taken as a wide receiver three or wide receiver four right now. And I just think that if you need to compete and you need a wide receiver, Thielen is someone that is very, very interesting to me. So um, take a stab at him in your leagues if you need that one piece. If you're really close and you need somebody for 2020, go look at Adam Thielen because he could be the guy that helps you get over that hump. And then the tight end position, they do have Kyle Rudolph for another year and they have sophomore year Irv Smith, Jr., who is a tight end out of Alabama last year. And Irv Smith was a very, very talented tight end coming out. Um, He was a little bit of a developmental guy, and it's tight end as well. So it's already by default a developmental position. But Irv Smith showed some flashes last year with Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak system. I'm very excited to see what he can do in year two of this system. Um, I think he could be someone along the Mark Andrews line where he showed a little bit of flashes towards the end of the season. And then in year two kind of really just shows his talent for catching the ball. And we'll have to see because Kirk Cousins is always like the tight end position. That was some of, uh, Jordan Reed's best years was with Kirk Cousins. So, um, Kyle Rudolph has also been someone who's benefited quite heavily under Kirk Cousins as well. So it's just Kirk Cousins is one of those guys, unlike Aaron Rodgers, who no matter who the tight end is, he shows that he can throw to the tight end position and he's not afraid to do it. So um, Irv Smith, if he can step up a little bit in 2020, he is definitely someone from a dynasty perspective that I'm really, really interested in. And He's someone that you can probably get a little cheaper because if you think back to the 2019 tight ends, everyone kind of ranks it TJ Hawkinson, then Noah Fant, and then Irv Smith is just kind of the forgotten about man, right, that nobody seems to be talking about. So you might be able to get him a lot cheaper than you'd expect in one of these leagues, but somebody that's definitely worth a look in your leagues if you need a tight end and if you can kind of risk paying a little bit for him to kind of sit him on your bench and see what he does early in this season. So um, that's the Vikings. They are a fantasy gold mine just waiting to happen. Again, whoever the running back is, I think is RB1 for sure. Dalvin Cook, top five. Alexander Madison, potentially top five, though most likely he'd be a top 10 back. Um, 
They've got a wide receiver one in Adam Thielen. They've got a potential wide receiver two in Justin Jefferson, tight end one in Kyle Rudolph, tight end two, maybe one in Irv Smith. And then Kirk Cousins is Mr. Stable at the position where he's never going to blow you away from fantasy, but he's someone who's got a solid floor at least, you know, as long as he's not turning it over like five times in a game. So, um, Minnesota Vikings are kind of one of those teams where you really like their players, but they're kind of just bland and they're not the exciting guys, right? But they are the guys that can definitely pay off from a fantasy perspective. So some guys to look at, some things to think about for this team. Uh, Not too much change, but yeah, just going to keep rolling in 2020. And last but not least, we have the Detroit Lions and... Where to start with the Lions? Um, in terms of depressing franchises in the NFL, I would say the the Washington Redskins last few years have been up there. Uh, um, the Jets have been up there. You know, the Cleveland Browns have been up there, and I definitely rank the Detroit Lions up there. They have been a nightmare organization for a very, very long time, and. It's funny because they have some of the guys that I like to root for the most and I feel like are some of the more underappreciated guys in the entire NFL, but they just can never seem to get it going. And Matt Stafford is a great quarterback. I like Matt Stafford. I am very interested to see what happens in 2021 with Matt Stafford because if you remember in this offseason, he did actually sell his house up in Detroit and... He kind of came out to all the media and said that it's no big deal. They did it because of blah, blah, blah reason, you know. But there could definitely be something here. Just like with Tom Brady, how he sold his house and, oh, it doesn't mean anything. And then in the next offseason, when he was a free agent, he looked for a new team and everything like that. So there could definitely be something with the whole Matt Stafford selling his house thing. But it's just something to to kind of think about. And I really hope that Matt Stafford goes to a a team that can make him a contender because the dude is extremely talented and he never gets the respect that he's owed. Um, If you think back to young Matt Stafford when he was a gunslinger, you know, he was rivaling Ben Roethlisberger in terms of gunslinging ability, right? Where both of those guys are just the, the big, guys who aren't afraid to throw their body at at the defense and will do what it takes to get the win and I just really think that that's underappreciated in Matt Stafford so here's hoping that he can kind of get to a new team and maybe in 2021 when he's a free agent he can go to the Pittsburgh Steelers who would be a perfect fit for Matt Stafford but from a coaching standpoint they didn't really make any changes um They had some interesting changes in the offseason. And the biggest thing that I think hurt this team is, so from an offensive line, they finally got it going in the last couple years where for years they didn't have an even decent offensive line. And one of my biggest things for real football is if I were like the XFL where I was doing a startup draft and you could draft from any player and just go down the list, right? Every player was available, and you started the draft, and you could like a fancy draft, right? My first thing that I would prioritize behind like a quarterback and maybe a 
skilled player like um like an Odell or a Julio or something like that would be offensive linemen. I would go straight five offensive linemen and get the best guys in the league because to me the offensive line is the most important thing on the football field and it feels like teams just some teams just highly undervalue the importance of the offensive line and I think that's a huge mistake and the Detroit Lions did that for many many years but the last couple years it seems like they finally got things rolling where they had a good offensive line going and this offseason they lost two starters they lost Graham Glasgow and Rick Wagner and I talked about Rick Wagner a little bit already where he went to the Green Bay Packers but Glasgow actually went to the Denver Broncos and losing two starters on this line is going to be huge for this team. They tried to replace a couple of them. They brought in Josh Garner. They brought in uh, Vitae and um, they even drafted a couple guys in in this year's draft with Jonah Jackson and Logan Sternberg. But man, I just, if their offensive line regresses again, it's just going to be rough for this team, but maybe that's where we can kind of see Matt Stafford return to his old gunslinger days before uh, Matt Patricia kind of took his bullets away, if you will. So um, a couple other guys that they did lose this year, they lost Jeff Driscoll, but they brought in Chase Daniel to be the backup to Matt Stafford. Um, they brought in Geronimo Allison. seems like a lot of guys in the NFC North were just swapping between teams here, um, which is kind of interesting. And they re-signed Danny Amendola. So they added a couple guys from the offensive side for pass catchers. But in the draft is where things got kind of spicy because they brought in DeAndre Swift in the second round. And, and he's going to be competing with Carrion Johnson in the backfield. And then they brought in a wide receiver, Quintez Cephas, in the fifth round, who was more of an interesting signing. I think uh, he could be someone that has some long-term dynasty stash potential, but I'll cover him in just a couple minutes here. So from the quarterback position, if you can't tell by now, I really do like Matt Stafford <laughs> quite a bit. I think he's extremely talented. I think he's being slept on from fantasy. I think he's slept on every single year. I get it. He had a broken back a couple years ago, but they say that he's perfectly fine now. So I really don't want to project injury down the road. So there's no reason for me to think that Matt Stafford's not fully healthy at this point. It's, that's one of those injuries that it's not repeatable year to year it's not predictable if it's going to happen again so I'm not going to predict that and if Matt Safford's playing 16 games man I this defense is going to be bad again I think that they're going to need to play catch up and Matt Stafford is going to have to go back to his gunslinger ways a little bit here because that O-line took a step back and with the O-line stepping back, they're not going to be able to run the ball as efficiently and it's just kind of a whole domino effect of everything pointing towards Matt Stafford having to kind of play hero ball and Matt Stafford's not the most clutch guy, but he is very talented at coming back in games and kind of like I said he throws his body on the line and is not afraid to kind of throw it around to make sure he gets the win so he's someone that I like uh if it's a must-win situation but the Detroit Lions are very interesting from a real-life football standpoint how they're going to do this year and Matt Stafford again I think he's being slept on a little bit in fantasy 
super flex or two quarterback leagues, definitely try and get him if you can. He's someone who you can probably get a decent value on because he's someone who could be a quarterback one pretty easily, in my opinion, this year. So from the running back position, again, they brought in DeAndre Swift, who a lot of people had as their number one running back on their boards coming into this year's draft. He actually fell quite a bit. I think he was the third or fourth running back off the board. I can't remember if he went before J.K. Dobbins or if he was number three. And they had Carryon Johnson on the team, but Carryon Johnson has been very electric when he's been healthy. But the last couple years has shown he cannot really sustain a full workhorse role for the team. And Matt Patricia came from New England, where when Matt Patricia was with New England, they did the full uh committee backfield approach where they had a pass catcher, they had a goal line guy. Um, That's why LeGarrette Blunt joined Matt Patricia for a little bit of time there after he first became the head coach for the Lions. So I think that Carryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift, people are kind of thinking that DeAndre Swift is just going to make Carryon Johnson irrelevant. And I was never a huge Carryon guy because I didn't think he could hold up to the workload that people were projecting on him. But If he's in a timeshare with DeAndre Swift, that is a pretty powerful one-two punch as long as this O-line can hold up for this team. And Carrion Johnson is someone who I think is going to be used in the running game. He has pass-catching chops that he can do it. So DeAndre Swift, I think, is going to be used as more of the the pass-catching back, the kind of get him in space and see what he can do back here. But It's going to be a very interesting dynamic between these two. I think both are going to have fantasy relevance, but I also think both are kind of going to limit the upside of the other one. Kind of like with Buffalo with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. If there's not an injury to one of these guys, they're just going to be competing for RB2 value. And I don't see RB1 upside for either one of these guys. I do see RB2 floor for at least one of them. And I think the other one can be top 30. I think both can be top 30, but I don't know which one's going to be the RB2 and which one's going to be the high-end RB3. But like I said, if there's no injuries, I think that people are kind of sleeping on Carrion Johnson a little bit more. Carrion's average draft price right now is actually like the 11th or 12th round in a startup league, which like I said, I think it's going to be more of a 50-50 than the DeAndre Swift show, right? So he's someone that's going a little cheaper than probably should. So someone worth targeting if you need a running back in your leagues. Um, But DeAndre Swift is definitely someone from a long-term perspective that I'm more interested in than Carrion because Carrion's got one year left after this year on his contract. DeAndre Swift has got four more years. So um, he's going to be around a lot longer than carry on. And I don't think Matt Patricia is going to be the head coach in 2021. So they're going to have a new guy at that point. They could choose to move on from carry on Johnson. And at that point it would be the Deandre Swift show. So Swift is definitely somebody from a dynasty perspective that I'm highly interested in because right now he's RB four to five on people's rookie running back list. And Like I said earlier, he was people's RB1 going into the draft, and then he went to Detroit, and he just plummeted down draft boards. But the dude was that talented. He is an extremely talented running back. 
I don't think that landing spot is that bad that it's going to warrant that big of a drop. I guess I could be wrong, but we'll have to just kind of watch on DeAndre Swift. But don't sleep on DeAndre Swift too much. If you can get him for cheap in your leagues, definitely someone that I'm looking at targeting personally. So now the wide receiver position is chock full of Kenny Galladay and that's about it from a dynasty perspective that I'm interested in. I understand that Marvin Jones is someone who if again I'm a competing team him and Kenny Galladay have almost identical stats the last couple years and Marvin Jones is someone who's going in the 16th round of startups where Kenny Galladay is going in the third or fourth round which is just such a massive difference in their price right now that it blows my mind because again they have very similar stats when they're both playing on the field and they're both healthy that I understand that Marvin Jones is going on his age 30 season right but the fact that there's a 12 round gap between them right now is just like I said it's mind-blowing to me because Marvin Jones is someone who can be a wide receiver one he was a couple years ago I think it was 2018 that both him and Golden Tate were uh, top 13 wide receivers. So, I mean, it's just he's going so much later than he probably should. And with Stafford, if Stafford plays 16, again, this defense is taking a step backwards, not a step forward. So I think that they're going to need to play more hero ball where they're coming back in a lot more of these games. So um, it's something that is interesting for a competing team if you can get him for super cheap because – you should be able to because round 16, that's like flyer and upside only picks at that point, right? So he's someone that is going extremely cheap and you can probably get him for maybe like a 2021 20, second or something like that. And again, he has wide receiver one upside. He was wide receiver 13 just a couple years ago. So, but the interesting one from a dynasty perspective is definitely Kenny Galladay. They did add Geronimo Allison in the offseason. They did re-sign Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola is someone who cannot withstand a full season. He's just not that type of player. He can maybe do seven or eight games of full health, and then he's just basically done at that point. He's playing on 50%, and he needs to recharge is the best way I've heard him described in the past. But um, Geronimo Allison is another guy where he's interesting, but I don't really see much of a future with him. Uh, maybe after Marvin Jones is gone, because I think he's going on the final year of his contract. So in 2021, they're going to be rolling with Kenny G and uh, maybe Geronimo Allison is the wide receiver too. But if Matt Stafford leaves this team, Man, that could have huge ramifications for all these guys from a fantasy perspective because Kenny G, I love his talent quite a bit. Uh, If he stays with Matt Stafford, if Stafford does stay with the Lions, man, he's someone that I just, with Matt Stafford, I think Kenny G has wide receiver one upside. Without Matt Stafford, it's very hard to project what Kenny G's ceiling could be because I love his talent, but he's someone who kind of feels a little disrespected. And I understand KNG's pretty young still, so he can definitely still continue to develop. And he's shown improvement all three years in in the NFL. So he's someone that I think will continue to just step forward and progress upward. And maybe he's the next Allen Robinson, where by the time he's 27, 28 years old, you're just like, man, 
KNG is such a monster, and that's kind of been the the trend of his his ADP the last couple of years. But without Matt Stafford, it gets very very interesting for KNG. But in 2020, I think he's locked and loaded as a as a wide receiver one again. As long as Matt Stafford plays a full 16, even without Matt Stafford, Kenny G actually showed with uh, whoever it was. I think it was Jeff Driscoll and David Blau, I think is who replaced Matt Stafford last year when Matt Stafford was out injured. I think it was the Thanksgiving game where the first play, Kenny G took it 75 yards for a touchdown on the first pass from David Blau, which is just crazy. It just shows you how talented Kenny G is. So, um, Sign me up from a dynasty perspective all day. He's someone that I love for dynasty. But like I said, the other guys are not super, super interesting from a long-term perspective. Marvin Jones, if I'm a contender, someone I'm looking at. But for the tight end on this team, you have TJ Hawkinson. And like I said when I was talking about Irv Smith earlier, right now from the 2019 tight end class, TJ Hawkinson is probably the number one ranked guy long-term for Dynasty. And he was very interesting in 2019 because he struggled a lot with drops. And I don't think that that's going to continue. You can kind of see this a lot with these rookies when they first come in. Daniel Jones fumbled a lot. Um, Lamar Jackson, his first eight games, he had a ton of fumbles. Uh, Hawkinson had a ton of drops. There is a difference in the college football to the NFL football, and a lot of these guys struggle with that adaptation to the the Duke, as they call it, the NFL football, which is just so much bigger that I think a lot of these guys aren't used to it, and that's why they struggle with drops and they struggle with fumbles and holding on to the ball a little bit more. So it's something that I'm not too concerned about long-term. Hawkinson is a very talented tight end, but again, he was a rookie last year. People were expecting a lot from him last year, and I'm not shocked they didn't deliver on what people were looking for. Give it time. Takes all these guys a couple years. I don't think that he's in any jeopardy for being a bust just yet for his first-round draft price, but uh, yeah, TJ Hawkinson, give it a couple years, and I think he'll be just, just fine. So So that's the Detroit Lions. Again, they are locked and loaded for 2020 from the offensive side of the ball. They might be a crap team and just completely be terrible from a win-loss record. They might have the number one overall pick. They might be competing with Washington or Jacksonville or the Raiders in 2021 for that number one overall pick. But in 2020, at least their offense will be exciting. And we'll see what, like I said, hopefully Matt Stafford can go to another team. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a Patriots fan. Cam Newton's on a one-year deal. I don't think we're going to re-sign him long-term. I would love to see uh, Matt Stafford come to the Patriots in 2021. That would make my day. If we could go from Tom Brady to Cam Newton to Matt Stafford, yes, please sign me up. But um, we'll see where, where he ends up in 2021. But this team from the offensive side of the ball, very interesting kind of limited a little bit on some of these guys, but their wide receiving core could be massive. And and Matt Stafford is someone who's definitely, again, being slept on a little bit more than he should. So here's your NFC North. That's the full breakdown of these guys. Um, Hopefully you can get some good insights into some of these players. And like I said, with the, the Green Bay Packers bringing some 
context to the whole Jordan Love draft pick. You know, like I said, with the I think they were trying to target Brandon Ayuk, but who knows? Hopefully, you guys like this this podcast and this breakdown. Let me know your thoughts over on Twitter or uh, hit me up. I might have a Facebook page by the time you guys are listening to this. So if I have, I'll put it on my Twitter and I'll uh, link my Twitter to it so you guys can find it over on there. But um, just be on the lookout for that because that'll be coming anytime now. And I'd love to hear you guys' feedback. Again, after these breakdowns, I do want to just point out one of my big goals for this podcast was to be community-oriented and community-focused. Right now, I'm doing these these breakdowns of all the different divisions for you guys just to remind you of everything that's kind of changed in the offseason. But after I get through with these, I do want to get back to community questions and uh, roster breakdowns and things like that in addition to what I bring to you weekly with my topic, whatever my weekly topic is for you guys. So definitely follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook when I get that up there, follow me on Instagram, hit me up with your questions. Again, I love answering your guys' questions. Let me know what your thoughts are. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, good luck in your leagues. Thanks for listening and good night.